105 degrees will be the high, as well as through the weekend we may see temperatures I'm on the ball today I even felt exempted from the law today It's like this revelation dawned on me It's so amazing, help support the cause I get everyone involved I feel like I'm on the ball today I even felt exempted from the law today It's like this revelation dawned on me It's so amazing, help support the cause I get everyone involved Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by DraftKings. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick, And it is game week, and we are doing a preseason mailbag today. So we're answering your questions. We haven't done a mailbag since uh, probably probably two months ago. Um, soon enough, we'll be having them every Wednesday. But today we're doing it on a Tuesday. We're laboring on Labor Day. Justin, how are you? Bobby Skinner, I had a, I ha- I had a Labor Day weekend. I had a Labor Day weekend, went down the beach, went down the shore, um, went to um, an establishment that you go to at night. I spent probably a half an hour in there because it was too crowded, and then I smoked a cigar with some buddies. Um, So now I have a hat on because we woke up, we're recording this early on a Monday morning on Labor Day, and I didn't want to take a shower, and my hair looks like a mess, and I have a hat on. How are you? How was your weekend? It was good. It was good. You know who else had a good weekend? Robert Bowen, uh, brother of Bruce Bowen, who was you know one of the dirtiest defenders in the league, mastered the side shot, even though he had really no offensive game. Um, and then I remember when the Mavs tried to, you know, they like were hacking him in a playoff game uh, in the early 2000s. Dustin Fairchild, who was part of the world beater tier, and Rahul Bayaj, um, who is Rahul and Dustin. Those are they're like a crime fighting duo. Who are these uh, duos, Justin? Trios. The trio of wonderful people that went to patreon.com slash talking giants. I always alternate saying backslash and slash. And I think we talked about it one time that backslash, there's no need for me to say backslash because a slash is like self-explanatory. So patreon.com slash talking giants, $2 a month or more. If you want to just support us and get some extra tears, $2 a month, you get to hang out with us as we watch the show live. I mean, we got a crew of people on Labor Day hanging out with us, and especially on Sunday. This Sunday, you want to be there with us celebrating a week one victory. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. Thank you to our patrons. Bobby Skinner, you saw some turtles this weekend. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. Hung out, you know, did a little Labor Day barbecue at the park. Not the beach, but that's whatever. At the park, you know, hung out with a guy who was, you know, really wasted by yeah, like 12 I, o'clock. I was about to say, you saw a guy, he had a really a nice beer gut on him. He was hammered. I mean, we saw him at 8 o'clock in the morning, and he, he was just hey. blitzed. And then finally, we're like, all right, dude, we're trying to have, like, a family barbecue here. Like, Happy you, Labor Day. You, you got to move along, my man. Um, I was playing horseshoes with him. Anyways, Justin, is there any – no really news um, before we get into this mailbag besides that Ian Rappaport says Saquon's gearing up. Saquon's playing week one. Saquon is playing week one. Book it. Bing, bang, boom. Saquon's playing week one, and I am ready for it. I don't think there ever was a doubt. Even though you did say that Jordan ran on and Ian Rappaport every single beat reporter at, at was saying that he might not. Right, play well, at, well at guess one what? Point. Well, guess what? Weren't you the one just you know three days ago saying that you're done with speculation from these beat reporters? Okay, but we also had it from other people that they were going to ease him back. But it, I mean, it it was a question though. It was a question that if he was going to play week, I mean, he hasn't even been tackled yet. It's just it's starting. He has not been tackled yet. So and Joe Wasn't Judge said practice? that has to happen. But wasn't there a practice? Jordan Ronan said that he did take 
contact reps last week. He wrote yeah, he that hasn't in been an tackled article. yet. He okay. Well, Jordan Ronan wrote something in an article that he took contact reps, but I don't know what. Again, I don't know what that means. Yeah, it's practice thuds. Which you know, now that now that there's no preseason, I don't, I don't, I don't think they're going to be tackling him to the ground in practice. But it'll be his his first rep. Now we're going to the ground. Most likely will be Sunday versus the Broncos. So I'm getting pumped, you know, we're kind of finishing off the off season now and it's like, okay, we got a game preview episode on Friday and pumped for that. Um, other news, there really isn't any. Enjoy some college football, you know, got some, you know, like I fell in love with another Georgia linebacker, Nicobe Dean, and that's it. So Steve, take it away. Mail time. Mail time. The All right, thanks, Steve from Blues Clues. Justin, let's get into the mail. First question is coming from Jesse Semino, but I think he changed his name. So it's Jesse P at Jesse P underscore Semino. What was your most surprising roster cut from this past week? And what was your most surprising player to actually make the roster? So I want to rephrase this because there was cuts that happened that we weren't surprised at. But if you would have asked us at like the start of training camp, we've been surprised. So I want to I want to rephrase it into who was like day of camp starts. You're like this guy gets cut, this guy makes it. What's surprising? So I'll let you do your your surprising cut first, Justin. All right, then it's a Fetty. Yeah, Fetty is the easiest one. There's yeah. not even one that's even close to that that I looked at. There was not even one that was close. Yeah. Um, and what was your surprising player to actually make the roster? I'd say Justin Hilliard. He's a guy that I feel like that's gone under the radar so far. And, you know, Bobby, you looked at him and there was nothing that really like impressed your impressed you about him, but he's like on the roster and he's a linebacker. So is he just like a special teams player? Like what, what's his role? The fact that we're looking at him and it's not really, we're not really that excited about him. So Justin Hilliard's that player that's like most surprising that he made the roster, but he wasn't here during training camp preseason, but he is very surprising. Yeah, I would have been surprised at the beginning of camp if you told me Justin Hillard would have made the roster since he wasn't on the team. I will go Sam Beal. Um, yeah. I mean, we had totally written off Sam Beal at the start of camp. It was, all right, it's like he's here. We have to have 90 men on the roster. He opted out last year, so he owes the Giants a little bit of money, which he's going to have to, like, he's going to get, like, a, a portion of his salary will be taken out after this week, which he almost wondered. It's like, do they have that in mind when they – when they brought him back, I don't think that uh, was that big of a deal for them. But hold on, Bobby Skinner's been having problems with motorcycles and people outside of his house recently, and I think he's going to beat the crap out of somebody right now. If you ask me, he's going to beat the absolute living crap out of somebody. A lot of people, I'm sure, also have a problem that I have a Nebraska hat on over a Rutgers hat. I think that's a problem for a lot of people. So I, I don't think that was the deciding factor, but Sam, I mean, we had totally written off Sam Veal as a part of this roster all off season. It was like, he's gone, he's gone, he's a cut, and now he's on the team. And, yeah. you know, if Adora Jackson uh, doesn't play this week, which I expect him to play, like Sam Veal could actually get some reps week one. I think Sam Veal did play his way onto the roster, though, which good for him. You know, especially based off of what, I, what we saw in New England, and credit to Snacks. Snacks was actually... I think he was on the show, and not not just the live stream, but I think on the show, Snacks is like, Sam Beal could play his way onto this roster. And, you know, we're looking at him like, are you crazy, bud? But no, he, he kind of did. So 
good for Sam Beal. And, you know, he's he's a talented player for a reason. They they actually have a little bit invested in him with that third-round compensatory pick. And, you know, he's here and probably not going to get a lot of playing time, God willing, because of the depth that we have. But good for him that he's here. Yeah, and um, totally lost my train of thought. I don't think he was just given that roster spot. I actually do think that he earned it. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say is like in that Cleveland game, like the clip I posted of him like fading away went viral, but it was like he was kind of like better than other corners out there that day. Yeah. You know, it was just that one bad clip where he just totally misjudged the ball and floated away. And um, I do think he is the best corner that we have right now. I'm I'm talking about on the roster, the best corner that we have against the run. I really do. Yeah, I got no clue about that. Um Yeah, I don't I don't really pay attention to the corners versus the run. But, um, yeah, next question. Next question. Benjamin at B. Scolo. He's going to be upset that I'm wearing a Nebraska hat over a Rutgers hat. Is Jonathan Harrison getting cut the biggest L of the offseason? Well, I don't even think it's an L because they added Ben Bredesen and Billy Price. Nate Solder's obviously going to be there. So there's your there's your three uh, depth linemen. Maybe Shane Lemieux is considered depth after this week. And then even Matt Skur is a more accomplished, probably better center in the NFL, and they have him on the practice squad. So I don't think it's even an Now, I would rather have him on the practice squad than Kenny Wiggins, but I'm not going to fret over the 10th man, especially when you have three people at his specific position of center ahead of him. You know, like Brett Heggie, we liked him as, as a practice squad guy, but it's like there's three centers ahead of him. I don't know if they want to keep him, keep him around. Um, so I don't even view it as an L. I mean... I think the biggest L of the offseason is not bringing in offensive line competition to start. Yeah. Like we've, like I know that there, there's been talk about depth coming in the camp. I felt good about the depth. It was the starters, and that they had, they didn't like the issue was that the depth was probably a little too close to what the starting level was. I think that's the biggest L of the offseason, and I don't mean drafting someone on day three in the draft would have fixed that. I'm talking about like a day one, day two pick, or signing someone in free agency that was going to play on the offensive line. And, yeah. Or at least compete for a starting group. So I would I would view that as the biggest L of the offseason. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. You know, um, I love the Aaron Robinson pick, but possibly getting an interior offensive line here that fit that third round mold. Where you know, even if the, that guy can't come in here and play day one, well, let's even do this, Bobby. I've been Ben Cleveland's like been my go to guy that the Giants maybe could have possibly taken in the middle of in the middle of the draft. Who would you prefer as a player and as a starter right now, Ben Cleveland or Shane Lemieux? Ben Cleveland easily. So there, there you go. Like and even I the Ravens took pick Ben Cleveland over Ben Bredesen. You know, I know it's a more recent pick, but still. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's kind of like who who they preferred there. So I think that is definitely the the biggest L of the offseason. I like Aaron Robinson. I love investing in corner, but kind of looking back on it, it's like, well, you have Darnay Holmes and. Aaron Robinson starting, at least when we're looking at it in 2021, Aaron Robinson is starting on this pup list, and the Giants are really shaking in our boots about this offensive line. Not just the depth, we're just shaking about it, the offensive line in general. Yeah, it's the depth. Now I'm not even worried about the depth. The depth is not the issue to me now, now that they added Bredesen and Price. It's the starters, you know, and that the depth could compete with the starters on multiple in multiple different levels. That Nate Solder may be better than Matt Parrott. That, you know, Ben Bredesen could be better than Shane Lemieux or Billy Price could be better than Shane Lemieux. Like, that's what – the depth isn't what worried me. The depth I feel good about now. It's the starters that I'm worried about. And, again, I don't think drafting someone in round four through seven would have made me feel better about that unless it was Trey Smith. But with Trey Smith, it's – I mean, it was all the – like, there was a reason he dropped um, 
He seems to be doing fine now. But Trey Smith is like the only round four through seven who would have made me feel better about the offensive yeah. line this yeah, year. Absolutely. All right. So next two questions. We got a pair talking about some expectations. Steven Toronto at S Toronto 92. Go give him a follow. Um, works for CBS Sports. You mentioned being nervous that this team has expectations for the first time in a while, Bobby. Do we really, though? It still feels like most talking heads hates us and think we suck. And then Jake Java at Jake Trek 22 is the immensely low expectations from the media an advantage or a disadvantage? I don't care about the outside media. The expectations for the New York Giants are internal. And, and here's how you know there's expectations. It is playoffs or bust. If we don't make the playoffs, and I'm not talking about like an 11-6 and six season where you miss the playoffs. If you don't make the playoffs, Dave Gellman's fired. If, if Daniel Jones doesn't look good, he's probably done. Or he should at least be done if he's not good this year. It's year three for the for the QB. It's year two for the coach we like. Um, they kept the same offensive coordinator, so they said we believe in him. So it's it is win or else for the New York Giants internally. Like I have, I know it. It feels a lot less uh, fun now that we saw the offensive line that preseason game. But I'm sorry, there is expectations for this team to win. That is my expectations. Anything less than that will be a failure to me. If they are not in the playoffs. This season will be a failure. If they are nine and eight and don't make the playoffs, it is a failure to me. Yeah, I I do like to think that some of the players kind of look at the media and they like to maybe get motivated by that. Like I think Saquon's the kind of guy where Saquon does like to look at that stuff. Where Saquon likes to look at some of the doubters. I know Blake Blake Martinez has liked tweets of. Um, People slandering him. Luckily, he's never liked my tweet that I had after he after we signed him. Um, but uh, Daniel Jones never looks at that stuff. So I think it depends on the player. But in terms of the organization, do I think the media is putting pressure just on the organization? Uh, no, no. I it like it's time. It's time. I don't think just because the media is saying that the Giants are not good or are still not good, despite spending all this money, despite having that franchise quarterback, so to speak, despite having that franchise left tackle, we hope. It's go time. Like, the pieces are supposed to be there. The investments that they've made are there. It, it's go time. So, yeah, whatever the result is. You're a GM, you're yeah. three of a QB. You, it's, it is win or else. So, the, the expectation is me internal. The outside media stuff, like, in fact, I'd almost rather them be the way they are. Where, like you mentioned, it could be a little galvanizing thing for the team. Like, they don't believe in us. They don't believe in us. You know, shock the world type thing. But internally, there has to be expectations for this team to be a playoff team. Yeah. Like it, to me, it is playoffs or bust. Yeah. Um, and again, if they if they go 9-8 and eight and make the playoffs, cool. If they go 9-8 and miss the playoffs, then not cool. It is like, it is really like as semantic, that is as semantics as that is. That is where I feel. Make the playoffs this year or bust. You're in a you're in a bad division. There's no longer that oh, if you if you finish six and two in your final eight games of the season, but you go eight and nine and miss the playoffs, there's there's no more of that. There's no more of like the oh, you know, look at the final eight games of the season, which that's what Mara and you know, the talking heads within the organization, that's what they've tried to make us think the last few years is, oh, look at how we finished. Oh, but look at this. Look at how in 2019 we scored the most points in the NFC East. And then they go out the next year, next year and score the least amount of points. You know, that was the talking point that really like, oh, it pushed us forward for 2020 and it didn't. So there's no more excuses. At the end of the year, I, I kind of don't want to hear the, oh, what is going to be the one little 
one little fine point that the, the Giants organization is going to plunk out to try and convince us of a, of to have hope the next year. Now let's let's just do it this year. Let's win some ball games. Playoffs or bust, and that's it, I love saying that because the NFL is back. Get in on on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And with the NFL returning, DraftKings is giving new customers two hundred dollars in free bets instantly when you bet one dollar or more on any on any football game. Listen up, because you don't want to miss this. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of one dollar or more on any Week One game to receive two hundred dollars in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contest. And for Week One, DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at a million one million dollar top prizes. Nothing adds the excitement of watching a game quite like having free a free shot at a million dollars top prize. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code JOHNBOY to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. And get a free shot at a million-dollar top prize with your first deposit. That's promo code JOHNBOY this week at DraftKings Sportsbook and an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling polling. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana. 1-800-9-WITH-IT. I would love a million dollars. Next question is coming from Wes Locke at Wesley Westicles, which I met Wes multiple times at Giants games. And I love how he has a lot of our different shirts. So I was at a tailgate with Wes. And I saw him in parking lot K. He was wearing one talking Giants shirt. And then I saw him in parking lot J. He changed talking giant shirts and had a hog molly's long sleeve on, which I didn't realize how good the long the hog molly's and long sleeves looks. Okay, Westlock asks, other than Scora, which practice squad player do you think has the most impact this season? Which member do you think has the highest highest ceiling for future years? Can I start this off, Bobby Skinner? Go for it. I'm gonna go with Dante Pettis. I think the fact that he actually made the practice squad and he made it through waivers is kind of cool. And especially when you consider that John Ross is starting the season on an IR, you would think that Pettis would have actually made the team and made the main 53. Um, but they signed Colin Johnson. So the fact that Dante Pettis is here and you know we kind of stashed him away, I think that's pretty cool. And if there's one guy, if you look at that practice squad list, who can actually come up and maybe have an immediate impact if he needs to, I think Dante Pettis is the guy. I think Pettis has the highest ceiling. But for him to have a big impact year this year, it'd have to be like a good amount of injuries. You know, it wouldn't be just one. Yeah. There's two guys that would one injury would make them important players right away. One is Trent Harris, the outside linebacker, who was meant to be on the like the fourth man on the roster. If if Carter, Aziz, O'Shane, or Roche miss a game, Trent Harris is active and he's probably playing reps that game. So him, and the other one is Ryan Izzo, the tight end out of uh, from the Patriots. You know, he, he was with the Texans in the, during camp this year, which we didn't really talk about a lot. But like, he started a lot of games for the Patriots. Like, he was a starting level player. And if Evan Ingram's missing a game, if Kyle Rudolph's missing a game, Ryan Izzo will play. And we're going to use three tight end sets. And if both of those guys are missing, like he's going to play fifty percent of reps in one game. So I will go Trent Harris more so though, because there's just such a rotation at that position. And, you know, like Lorenzo's coming off injury. We don't know what uh, Quincy Roche and Aziz are going to be as as rookies. O'Shane doesn't really drop in the coverage or play the run well. So I will say Trent Harris for me. Yeah, that's a good one. All right, so next question is coming from Paul Nonis at Paul Nonis. This is a really good 
question, and I have a very interesting take. I think we both have interesting takes on it. Have your views on Judge changed based on the way the offense has looked so far? What if this is his offensive philosophy too, not just Garrett? I want to focus on, at least for my part of the answer, I want to focus on the second part of the question because I don't know. I, my views on Judge have not changed based on the, how the offense has looked so far. You know, wait for actual gameplay, wait for week one. What if this is his offensive philosophy too, not just Garrett? I have a fear this year. So I like to do the whole thing of fears I would never say out loud or fears I would never take, but I have. So I would never say this out loud. But I have a fear that I'm going to like Patrick Graham a whole lot more than than Joe Judge this year. I have a feeling I'm going to get, based on the offense and based on the same critiques that we had of Pat Shermer on his defense, I'm afraid. I don't think this is going to happen, but I'm afraid that I'm going to like Patrick Graham a lot more than Joe Judge this year. Okay. Here's my view on it. Last year, that was like my worries. Like, man, this might be Joe Judge's offense just as much as it is Garrett's. Then the Freddie Kitchens game totally changes my view on that. It's like, oh my gosh, we just called the most aggressive game plan offensively of the year with Colt McCoy playing versus a very good defense in the Cleveland Browns. Like the Cleveland Browns have a re- had a really, you know, especially like a Miles Garrett. I know he was battling COVID, but like they attacked downfield with Colt McCoy as their QB the one game that Jason Garrett's missing. And then you actually saw Garrett versus the Ravens and the Cowboys week 16 and 17 open it up a little more. Nothing crazy, but like some more, you know, vertical concepts with crossers across the middle, which gives me hope going into this season. But if it is the same or very similar, last year it's like, okay, was Garrett Judge's guy? Probably not. You know, it's probably a heavy influence from the ownership on that one. But Joe Judge decided to keep Jason Garrett here. So now he is his his guy because Joe Judge could have, like if Joe Judge wanted to fire Jason Garrett and made that vocal to ownership, I just, I sincerely sincerely doubt that they forced him to keep him. I sincerely doubt that. Joe Judge kept him. Now it is your offense. So Judge, like as much as we give Joe Judge a working with Patrick Graham on the defense, Joe Judge has to take criticism if the offense is is similar. And it's going to have a lot of the same, like, you know, they ran in that preseason game the first half stick like eight times. Go watch the Mark Schofield breakdown, and it's like curl, curl, curl. So are they going to open it up a little more this year? Probably. But also, like, those are big-time staples of this offense. So, yeah, Joe Judge, it may not be – if he had if he brought in Chad O'Shea as his OC, would it look like this? Probably not. But he kept Jason Garrett. Whatever the offense is, Joe Judge has to own as well. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I hate that I have that fear, but I do. And it's a reality. It's a reality. I would hate for it to be week nine, and the Giants offense is bad again, and the Giants defense is good, and I am now starting to dislike Joe Judge because the same problems are are continuing and sustaining themselves with this offense. I would hate that. The honeymoon is over for Joe. Like, if the Giants are bad this year, like, a lot of people like Joe Judge, we like Joe Judge. But if they don't win games this year, like people are going to turn on Joe Judge quick. I mean, I've seen yeah. it a million times with, you know, n- you know, the New York fan base in general. But like, I mean, Tom Coffin was fired three times by the Giants, basically. <laughs> yeah. You know, like there was three different times where Co- Coffin was fired by the Giants. Like it's it will turn quick. Yep. Um. So that's why, and that's why you know there is expectations to win. And Joe Judge should feel the expectations to win. He decided to keep Jason Garrett. I don't agree with that decision, but he decided to do it. Um, so, yeah, he he takes ownership of this offense. He brought in Freddie Kitchens. 
um, you know, some different guys on the staff. So, um, you know, Joe Judge's handprints will be on this offense. You can't just say, oh, it's all Jason Garrett at the end of the year. Like, it is it is on Joe Judge as much as it is on Garrett. No, and instead of just – I don't. I hope I'm not bashing Judge, but the reason, part of the reason why there is expectations on this team is because, is because of Joe Judge. You know, not be, just because of the talent that they added, but because a lot of people – if we're talking about the national media, right, which that's what, you know, Stephen Toronto was asking about before, if we're talking about the media, then I think the Giants have expectations – because I think everybody views Joe Judge as an up-and-coming, pretty good, solid head coach in the National Football League. And I do think he is. I already think he's a very good coach. To get a, a group of veterans and also a group of young guys, but a lot of veterans to you know lock into what you're doing and what you're kind of presenting, especially as like a tough, hard-nosed coach, You know, I, I think that's a very big success. So, And um, I believe in Joe Judge, and I think we're going to win this year. Like yeah. I, I do think the Giants are going to win and make the playoffs this year. You know, when I when I say that, it's like that's that's my expectation because that's what I believe will happen. Yeah. And part of that, like you said, is because I do think Joe Judge is a head coach, and as much as you know, I don't think Jason Garrett's going to transform his entire offense over one offseason after being in the NFL for so long. It, which I do expect it to be different. I do expect it to be some of the same staples of the offense, but also op- like. He has vertical concepts and crossers and stuff in his playbook. It's not like Jason Garrett doesn't have that in his playbook. Like, Freddie Kitchens didn't create a bunch of new plays for that Cleveland game. It was the same exact playbook. He was just going to some of the other things a little more often than Jason Garrett would. So, yeah. Um, and the so. personnel is so different. Like, you can't, you have to be different when the personnel is so different, you know? So, all right. So, Eric Feldman, Eric at E underscore Feld. If it were up to you two, how would you rotate the edge rushers? Specific snap share or ride the hot hand? Assuming slash hoping someone gets hot, how do you think Graham rotates them week one? That's paired with two other questions, too. And that is paired with two other questions. One of them from Porky Blunders. Give me each of your favorite players at the outside linebacker spot at this very moment. And then also Freddie Goodall asks, do you think Roche, Quincy Roche, can jump O'Shane Zimenez in the depth chart? So basically, it's just how do we see the outside linebacker room playing out? Here's how I would do it. I would do it kind of similar to the way they started last year. If Lorenzo's that guy, he's that same guy. And and if he's like clearly better than Aziz Ojolari, you know, like from Rip, I would give him 85 to 90% of the snaps. You know, not as much as he was getting last year, but still a lot. I would give Oj- Aziz like around 60%. And then I would have... Quincy and O'Shane battling for like that 20 to 30 percent per game, you know, in, in different matchups, you know, you, uh, you, you use different things. But, you know, I like O'Shane Zimenez. You know, I, I defended him after the draft when people were wanting to move on from him. We did a segment on it. Like, don't give up on O'Shane. But O'Shane doesn't play the run well. He doesn't drop in the coverage. Quincy Roche does. So if Quincy Roche can be close to O'Shane as a pass rusher, I want O'Sh- I want Quincy jumping O'Shane on, on reps. So, I think it's I think it's more so the battle is for that third guy um, between O'Shane and and Roche, and then I think Carter gives like eighty five percent, Aziz fifty to five to sixty percent. Yeah, yeah, I think seventy to eighty percent for Carter, and I don't think that's a reflection on Carter. I think that's a reflection on you know them maybe wanting to give Aziz some extra reps where you feel better. I think you feel a little bit better about Aziz Ojolari getting reps versus Kyler Fackrell. 
So if we view if we view Aziz as an upgrade over Kyla Fackrell, then give Aziz more snaps with Lorenzo Carter, or even take Lorenzo Carter off the field a little bit more. Um, so I think seventy to eighty percent is just fine because I think we looked at ninety. I was looking at ninety percent of the snaps last year in certain games. Like that's that's a lot. <laughs> that really is a lot. And I do think they want to take it maybe a little bit easy on Lorenzo Carter coming back from that Achilles injury. So seventy to eighty percent. Um, have Aziz out there for the majority of the snaps to over 50%. And then I think it will be much clearer that O'Shane is the number three, at least to start than Quincy Roche. O'Shane's look good as a pass rusher, and I hope that they use him as a pass rusher accordingly on those passing downs. And even, you know, putting him out there more often on those rushing downs, even though he's not that great against the run, but you're hoping that a team can maybe pass. If there's a fourth quarter where an opposing team is down, you maybe have O'Shane out there for some extra reps because he certainly has looked pretty decent in practices. You know, he looked pretty good in New England. And then, you know, in the preseason games going up against some of the backups, he's looked really crisp too. So um, I think Aziz is the, um, excuse me, I think O'Shane is the clear number three now, but that very well could change. Yeah, and I don't want to put too high expectations on, on Roche. Yeah, Aziz is the clear number two. And Roche... Like, I know I took him in the third round in my, like, post-Senior Bowl mock draft, but two of the disclaimers I had, I was like, I haven't seen a lot of players at this point. And I also even said in that clip, I was like, I think I'm reaching a little bit. Like, I view, yeah. at the end of the day, I viewed Roche uh, as a late third, early fourth. So I don't I don't want to expect that guy to come in and be like, a, all right, you're playing week one. If he can, awesome. And he's versatile, so that can get him on the playing field um, quicker than O'Shane if their pass rush is, is similar. Um, but like you said, O'Shane had a good preseason. It was against backups, so I don't want to get too um, hyped up on him. But he did have a good preseason, and year three is when we see players like O'Shane, those mid-round guys, really take their jump. Yep. Like, you know, first round, first round, you know, early second, those guys need to take the jump, jump in year two. Those third, fourth rounders, you see their jump usually happen in year three, if there yep. is one at all. And you also have a Miami bias with Quincy Roche. Yeah, I'm trying to, like, bury that deep down. <laughs> All right, so next question, Tyler at NYBeast224. Can you make an argument for the Giants' defense being better than Washington's? Yes. So last year, Washington was ranked fourth, and Giants were ninth. In, in what? In yards or points allowed? Points. 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 Yeah. And, and yards, it was like um, fifth and, and twelfth. Here's here's the stat I look look at, though, that could make the Giants better than the Washington defense and where they've upgraded. Last year, the Giants had one less turnover than Washington. Um, so they were ranked 10th in turnovers. Washington was ranked 6th. Um, more blitzing means more man coverage, and it means more opportunities for mistakes by QBs to have turnovers. So that is the way for the New York Giants to become like uh, a top 5, a better defense than what Washington can be, is interceptions. It's interceptions or sacks on 2nd and ten. You know, sacks on first and second and ten. And now they might have the ability, Lorenzo and Aziz being there, is a, is an upgrade over what they had last year. Adora Jackson is a huge upgrade. And now Patrick Green gets to be a little more aggressive, take some more risks. Um, you know, Logan Ryan, second year in the system. Blake Martinez, second year in the system. Brett, like all these guys, second year in the system. Um, so that is the way that I can see the Giants being better, a better defense than Washington, is by them being a, a team that in, that intercepts the QB often. Yeah, and I think increasing that blitz rate is going to dramatically change this Giants defense as well. Um, and it comes down to what do you prefer? 
Giants have a better secondary than Washington, and I know even some Washington fans will argue that, but, you know, screw you. We don't have Washington fans listening to this podcast. So Giants have a better secondary than Washington, and then Washington clearly has a better pass rush than the Giants do. Um, I, 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 would, I would still even say that the Giants linebackers are better than Washington's linebackers. Um, they, I think they're a lot more diverse in what they can do. So it's a matter of what do you prefer? Do you prefer, do you prefer the pass rush and do you prefer the front end or do you prefer the back end? I certainly prefer having the back end. And I think if you have a good secondary, the rest of the defense can fall and the rest of the defense can fall into place from there. So I'm looking at DVOA and I'm actually very interested by this. So total DVOA, Washington was third last year, third best in the National Football League, and the Giants were 19th. But I think a lot of that has to do with efficiency because DVOA is all about efficiency. And Giants defense wasn't efficient, but they were good at, pre- at preventing points. So we shall see this year. But that's I prefer the back end and having good coverage versus a Do you good think the Giants pass. defense is better than Washington's defense? I, I do. I do. Because I prefer having the back Why? end with coverage. Yeah, but like... I, but. Washington's defense was better than the Giants' defense last year. I think they're going to be better this year. All right. Um, I'm interested to see the Chase Young year two jump because you look at like the best pass rushers in the game in their rookie years. Like he had a good rookie year, but it wasn't like people acted like he had like 15 sacks. He had like seven. I could see him having 15 this year, and Montez Sweat being that guy, and you know, and Allen in the middle, and them just being a front four that just that just wrecks teams. So. I would still give Washington's, uh, and they added a corner in Will Jackson. You know, he's not on Bradbury or, or Dory Jackson's level. But uh, I think Washington's biggest worry should be their O-line and their QB. I think they're in a very similar situation than the New York Giants. So, yeah, I want to read the next ad. Yeah, let's read the next ad. You want to read it or I want to read it? I'm going to read it, Bobby Skinner. I'm taking control. Guess what? Today's episode is also sponsored by Manscaped, the leaders in below the waist grooming. Bobby, it's time to go back to school. A lot of college, we have a lot of college kids that listen to our show and you're already back at school. So, you know, I guess congratulations. You know, you're getting through syllabus week. Hope you partied it up. We want to make sure that you have the essentials to get through this year. Manscaped, the fourth generation performance package is just that. To help you get ready for the school year, things are opening up. Be ready for whatever is in the daily schedule for you. It's the perfect package for your package. Includes the brand new lawnmower 4.0. Go for the Veil Victorian ball trimming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com with the code GIANTS. Lawnmower 4.0, 7,000 RPM motor. New multifunction on-off switch can engage a travel lock. Gives you the ability to turn 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. And did I mention that this is waterproof too? Probably its best feature. Package also comes with the weed whacker to chop your worst weeds up top in my nose, in the ear, which I have those gnarly nose hairs. I keep on coming back. Weed whacker is helpful there. Weed whacker is also waterproof, 9,000 RPM motor, 360 degree rotary with the dual blade system. Manscaped is also going to throw in two free gifts to their performance package 4.0, Manscaped boxers and the shed travel bag. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code Giants at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with code Giants at Manscaped.com. This year, graduate with a degree in clean balls with Manscaped. Thank you to Manscaped. All right, next question. Next question is coming from Jason S. Allen at Jason S. Allen 2. If Hernandez plays the best footballs of his career, do the Giants re-sign him with cap space in mind? Yeah, absolutely. We have no if he's if he's good this year, we are in no position to be pushing offensive alignment away. So yeah, I think that would be the easy like you know, there's decisions to be made on 
Evan Ingram, Jabril Peppers, even Lorenzo Carter. If Will Hernandez is good, you pay him. It's like the most, it, it would be the simplest move of the offseason. Pay him. You know, re sign him week 13 or whatever it is. I'm really, I, I can't talk about the cap extensively because I'm not an expert on the cap, but I really hope it grows more than we're expecting because the Giants need it. I was even doing some reading from over the cap talking about how the Giants may still need to make some moves to get under the cap. I don't know if that's true. I got to figure out how the cap works. Um, that's one of that's one of my goals now that I'm full-time is to kind of understand it more, even though nobody really understands it. Even experts are still a little confused on it sometimes too. But the Giants cap situation is tough. Like, we're going to have to say goodbye to somebody that we don't want to say goodbye to. And it's going to hurt even more when Evan Ingram is extended to. Yeah, I mean, if we say bye, goodbye to Evan Ingram, it won't hurt much. Um, but I don't think we're going to. That's the issue. We'll see. I mean, as much as I feel, I feel like it's there's a different point of view because like people don't really really want Evan Ingram back. But it's like you know what? He's going into his final year, not signed, kicking off week one with no sign. Like, yeah. So why do we view that as like, oh, Evan Ingram's going to be back and Jabril's not? You know, and I'm not and not and again, if he if I don't think Jabril's probably going to come back unless he gets a unless he agrees to a uh you know a lesser contract than he probably get in the open market um but like i, I don't know I, I don't expect Evan Ingram to be brought back either they yeah. signed Kyle Rudolph you know they didn't sign him for nothing um and maybe they'll be I and mean, they got a ton of draft picks next year maybe tight end something they look at and you know I'm a Caden Smith fan too yeah but Will Hernandez would be the easiest one of the offseason if he's good sign him back yeah. even if he's not that good I still would probably just bring him back as depth like there's, we can't be we can't be pushing offensive line in a way that have like a baseline of decent. No, no, we are in no position to do that. And you know, getting shades of Kevin Zeitler of letting that guy walk and releasing him and not restructuring him when the Giants have a huge interior offensive line question right now. You know that that it, it hurts. You know, I think it was still kind of the right move when you look at the cap situation and who else we were able to bring in this offseason. But I, a lot of fans are hurt by that saying hey we kind of just let our best offensive lineman walk and you know we certainly did that so all right dave gentleman the dave gentleman parody account at david a gentleman should i read it in his voice and his accent do whatever you want if it's for the betterment of the team are you 100 percent against starting matt um andrew thomas at right tackle and matt parrot at left tackle no, but it's just not for the betterment of the team. Like I've heard the argument is like, well, Parrot's a longer, but it's like, and then, then then people will say that Parrot's more athletic than Thomas. He's not. He's not. Go look at shuttle times. Thomas is is a much more athletic um, offensive tackle than Matt Parrot. Watch him in the run game. Thomas Thomas is, is just he's just much more athletic. So if it was for the betterment, yeah, I'd be I'd do whatever for the betterment. That's why I said if we have. If, if they want to put someone in at center who they think is going to be the long-term player there, then yes, move Nick Gates out to guard. But don't do it just as a stopgap. Like, don't, you know, if, if they had an injury, don't put Harrison at center and then move Gates out to guard. Um, but it's just, you know, I'm not as panicked for, about Thomas as everybody else. I'm not. Yeah. I know he played bad in that game. It made me feel a lot less. I'm not as confident as I was, but I'm also not panicked about Andrew Thomas. Like, I don't think he should be panicked. Like, his second half of last year was very real. And and what you saw, like the stuff that from the preseason game is fixable. And also, it was probably a really good lesson to him because he almost had overcorrected his issues. 
And so I think it, it's a good way to get back to the drawing board and find that happy medium. Um, so am I expecting him to be all pro this year? No, but I'm not panicked about Andrew Thomas. Matt Parrott, I am 100% panicked about, and I want, I never, I, I don't think I'll ever be comfortable with Matt Parrott on my QB's blind side. I don't understand where this talking point came from. If Matt Parrott isn't as talented as Andrew Thomas, and maybe this is where it comes from, maybe people think because they haven't seen Matt Parrott, and he still, and people, we have hope for Matt Parrott versus people saw what Andrew Thomas did last year, which half of it was bad, half of it was, was decent. Do people think that because they haven't seen Matt Parrott and because they have hope for him that he can be a better left tackle uh, than Andrew Thomas? I, I don't know where If Matt Parrott's the left from. tackle, Daniel Jones fumbles problem come back. His fumble issue is, is 100% back. Yeah. You know. So yeah, I I'd, I'd never want Matt Perry as my starting left tackle. Yeah. And it doesn't. Hey, if if they go into next year's draft and they want to, you know, if they have a top pick and they want to pick a left tackle and it means moving Andrew to right tackle, all I'm all for it. If Evan Neal looked really good at left tackle this year, they want to draft Evan Neal, who I love, and put him at left tackle and move Andrew to right. I'm 100 percent for that. But I'll never be on board with putting Perry at left tackle. Yeah. Um. And yeah, a player who is less talented than. Andrew Thomas, but you know, Matt Parrott, I, I will always love this YouTube comment we got. Matt Parrott is not a right tackle. He's a left tackle. Right tackle is kind of like an easier position to play than left tackle, and he's struggling there. So you want to put yeah, him at left? Well, he played right tackle in college, too. Yeah, so bizarre, bizarre. But thank you for the question, Dave, Dave Gettleman. Um, hopefully you're not actually thinking that in the building. Tim Coffey at, I never, I, no, I'm not even going to, Jug, Jug Bigot. Big, big, no, not bigot. We don't want to say that. I don't understand how to say his username. What nickname will the four safety set get after shutting offenses down this year? And how often do you expect to see 21 personnel? And if it's Penny slash quad slash Tony, is it more like 31 personnel? I was watching Talladega Nights over the weekend and the Magic Man. So I think we're going to call the secondary the Magic Man. Now you see him. Now you don't. It's... Any good New York Giants secondary will always just be called NYPD. I wanted to get unique. That's always, and plus, and plus, they ha, it's not like it's just the safeties. They have James Bradbury and Adore Jackson. Any Giants secondary will it just it's 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 might not be new, but it, it is what it will be called. It will be called the NYPD, which I love. Like that's a really good nickname. It is. Um, as far as the personnel thing, I don't see a bunch of fullback stuff because they like using Caden Smith as that as that H-back lead back role um so I do th- I, they're gonna run a ton of two tight end stuff even if Evan Ingram's out this week I think they're still gonna run a ton of two tight end sets which I'm a I, I'm fa- I'm a fan of that um but I just I don't think Penny's gonna get on the field a ton as a fullback I think it's just gonna be kind of the same the same as it's always been he'll get five to eight reps a game at, at that fullback spot I don't see us ever, at least with Elijah Penny as our fullback, who I didn't like, but now I do like. I don't think us ever. I don't see us ever using him the way the Patriots use like um, Pat Devlin, you know, where it's like we're just we're gonna line up like this for an entire game and see how you like it. Yeah, um, which is why I would have liked to sign Ben Mason, who the Patriots did, because that is the type of guy where it's like, if you guys want to play small on us, we will pit this son of a gun at fullback and we will dominate your ass all game with the run game. Yeah. That's the kind of advantage that Ben Mason gives you. Penny Penny can be a good fullback, but he's never going to give you that advantage that Ben Mason would be. I also think the Patriots did that because they had came Newton last year, and it was just very... Well, they did that with Brady, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah? 
maybe that'll change. I don't, maybe it won't. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't change with Mac Jones. So we'll 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 see this year. But yeah, I, I don't think the Giants have that offense like you know whether it's Patriots or San Francisco um, that uses a fullback every single play. I, I like eleven personnel. Um, I think there's a lot of different things you can do with eleven personnel, and I do like the way that they. You know, at least if you look at it personnel-wise and the personnel grouping frequency, the way that they mix up 13 personnel, 12 personnel, and um, I wish they did 11 personnel under the center a little bit more. However, Daniel Jones is a much better thrower out of the shotgun. I think Saquon Barkley is even a better runner out of the shotgun, too. They should do more shotgun, more 12 personnel out of shotgun. They have done that sometimes. Um, So I think Saquon and Jones are better out of the shotgun, um, but typically that means that you're in 11 personnel. So I do like the way that they mix up the formations. Moral of the story. Yeah, and I think we're going to get a, a, a ton of different looks. I don't think we're going to get as much like three tight end Austin Mack at wide receiver reps. Not with Saquon at running back, at least. Yeah. Who's going to be Sports- the... Who's? I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sports manager worldwide, I'm so sorry. You just took a really big breath. Who's going to be like the Austin Mack this year where whenever this guy's in the game, you know it's going to be a running play? I don't think we have that guy. No, I mean, Shepard's a really good blocking wide receiver. So I would love for him to, if there's one wide receiver that's on the field during like 13 personnel, let's say, um, then I would love Shepard to be that blocking wide receiver. He's a really good blocker. I mean, he's not big and physical, but. I just don't want him getting concussions blocking anymore, which has happened before. That's him getting concussions blocking. That's that's how that's happened. Week one, Dallas 2019. He got a concussion on a, blo- on a line motioning and, and, and blocking through the hole. Oh. Yikes. Sports management worldwide is the global leader in online sports business education. We teach people how to work on the business side of sports. All of our classes are taught by industry professionals. Your mentors have been in the game. You want to work in and done the jobs you want to do. SMWW has had graduates work for all 32 NFL teams, including Patrick Hanscom, who's an area scout for the Giants. SMWW can train you to be an agent, a scout, work in the front office, Work in the film with digital video editing tool XOS Thunder used by all 32 teams. Learn from people like former Tampa Bay GM Mark Dominic, football analytics guru Aaron Schatz, uh, and Mike Mike Tanier of Football Outsiders, football player development from former NFL coach Steve Fairchild. Learn the, the skills and knowledge you need to know to work in football at all levels and turn your dreams into reality. They may not be able to teach, um, Dak Prescott, eh, that was going to be. Eh, There's a lot there. of things that they can't teach, but they can teach you to do all those things, and they can they can teach you how to work in football. Apply free at smww.com and use the discount code Giants for the fifty for fifty percent off the course of your choice. They offer courses in football, baseball, basketball, soccer, and more. If you have always dreamed of a job working in sports, Sports Manager Worldwide can help you. From sports betting to esports, sports broadcasting. Hey. Maybe Justin should take a course. They have the what you know and who you know to get you in the game you love. We have one more question. It's about special teams. So basically this show's over. No, I'm kidding. No, I actually have a real take on it. I, I want to have my stance. I was, but, uh, I was kidding. Um, but uh, you sent us a bad video of a Bronco. And you definitely should not post it. Well, th- th- do the special team question <laughs> and then we can get into that. <laughs> okay. Oh, snacks, Bobby and I, we have a group chat and Bobby sent us a terrible, a terrible video. I sent it to Tim Coffey and Mr. Brownstone. Oh, great. I know they would appreciate it. Yeah. Doug, who has a very long and complicated username that is not pronounceable. I know it's talking giants versus special teams. You got that right. 
But what are your thoughts on keeping so many players mainly for special teams? CJ Board, Cam I love how he names the players too. CJ Board, Cam Brown, Keon Cross, and Colin Gillespie, Brightwell, Justin Hilliard, plus Dixon, Gano, Kreider, but those are the usuals. Would you rather have better depth but worse special teams? That's the question. Here's what I'll say, because like, you know, you mentioned all those guys, but they also like they inv- they traded a six round pick for Keon Crossan. We, you know, obviously we joke about special teams and we're never going to like break down special teams on this show um, unless we form some type of alliance with to Joe Judge, like basically to like basically to openly admit like, hey, I, I follow the talking Giants guys. If that doesn't happen, you know, we're not talking about special teams that much. But I am fine with it. We joke about special teams. If we have all these guys, we better be a top special teams unit. We better not have no Cincinnati kick returns for touchdowns this year. They had, they need to be a top special teams unit. Make it has to pay off. Putting all these resources in the special teams have to pay off. It is a part of the game. It's not a third of the game, but it is a part of the game. It's an important part of the game, and it can it can make or break games. Um, but they have to be good this year. You put all these resources in the special teams, they have to be good. The Giants, according to Football Outsiders and according to DVOA, defense value over average. So basically. When I say that New England had the best special teams DVOA last year and they were the best special teams unit, basically means they were the most efficient. But DVOA is they were 8.1% better than the average level replacement special teams unit. That's what DVOA basically means. So the Giants ranked 12th last year just as a special teams unit. They were 17th the year before. Field goal extra points. um, There's no ranking. The best that they had was... Punt. Their punt team was the best. Their punt and punt return team was the best in terms of DVOA, in terms of they had a positive DVOA, that's which that's what you want. So um that better be top five this year. I agree with you, Bobby. Like let you know, last year they had Cam Brown in there and you know Nate Ebner was in there, but now I feel like there's a lot more guys that are devoted on this roster saying that you are a special teamer. Um so I agree with you. That this when I look at this football outsiders DVOA, because really you know what? Are, what other way is there is there to evaluate special teams? I don't know in terms of one that is kind of looking at overall efficiency and the group overall, rather than finger pointing plays here and there. Um, this better be top five. I agree. No doubt. Um, I mean, you know, Gary Brightwell, you have a lesser running back um, as your third string running back because of special teams. Um, Keon Crossan, like I don't trust him playing cornerback at all. You traded a six round pick, special team, like. So there is guy, you know, Colin Gillespie. There's no need to have a second fullback for offense. It's strictly special teams, even though Ebner will probably replace him. Like, so I'm cool with it. I understand, you know, we joke about it, but it has to be good. It has to be a very, and you have a special teams head coach and obviously McGahee, who was one of the guys they, they liked enough to keep around. So yeah, keep, be good, be good. And you will not hear us complain about having special teams players on the team yeah. or a lot of special teams players on the team. Should I do a, um, in my talking analytics, talking stats, stats report video on YouTube this year, should I devote 30 seconds to special teams and talk about the DVOA? You honestly every week? should. You honestly should. Because like, I see, we should. Like, how how the punts went and things like that. Yeah. Man, I so. wish I wish there was next gen data available about air yards and top speed. There, it is available. The NFL teams have access to this. It's just that they choose because they're scumbags. The NFL chooses not to release all of their data. Like 
How how fast is Cam, what's Cam Brown's top speed as a gunner? Like I would love to see that stuff. How far in the air is Riley Dixon's punts going, and what what is the hang time? They have all this data, and they just choose not to release it to the public. It's which game is stupid. week, and they're still not all twenty two out. Stupid. So, um, I'm going to go burn down the NFL headquarters, New if, York. If well, you got to come back to New York, unfortunately. Oh, I will summon some of our listeners to burn it down. Okay. All right, sounds good. That's an episode. All right, show's over. But we have to. We you cannot post that video. I know I can't. It is. <laughs> some would say our videos last year were teetering on the on the line. You know, I never felt like anyone was like messed up. This one is so messed up. It is. It is like I would understand the backlash. And I could handle the backlash, but it's just, you know, it's our bosses wouldn't be too happy about it. I wouldn't but be it, too happy about it. It would be the <laughs> it would get the most reaction out of out of any I mean, it is it is so messed it sh- up. It, it is, shook me. It shook me to my core. Yeah, I didn't even like well like you know, I I was like I don't even wanna like this isn't funny. I had um, to watch it like three times to see the the physics I, of how of how all right so should, i thought about morphing daniel jones and joe judge's no. heads onto the two people and that would make it a little more lighthearted. but that is just there's it's not worth it there's another i have another idea for it um that will be a lot it'll people will think it's funny all right but this one just we couldn't put it out there. all right just this context our contribution to game day um whenever we play an animal centered team bobby would post a video of said animal Sort of being executed, I guess. Like a Notre Dame football team. Like the Notre Dame football team, and uh, there was it, there was two was too graphic of a video Bobby sent us, and it it still has shaken me. It 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 has me shook, as the kids it would, say. It would it would cause chaos. We can't do it. No. But what we will be doing. This is the. This is, you know, this, I haven't picked the intro for this song. So people in the Patreon check. Give me some intro um, recommendations. Friday. Friday morning, your podcast feeds, your YouTube. The season officially starts. We will have our Broncos week one preview. Um, I'm very pumped for it. We, uh, we're we keeping the format the same. First portion is me and Justin talking about the matchup. Do a quick 15-minute interview with someone who covers the other team. And then we'll finish with our fantasy draft, quick picks, and giant factors. I'm very excited. I mean, I, I, I do a little speech at the start of every first week one intro. I've kind of got it. I'm working on it already, so I'm very excited. Thank you for sticking with us this offseason. We appreciate you guys. Any last words, Justin? No. Uh, I'm ready for football. Um, thanks for putting up with me and my Nebraska Cornhusker hat this episode, everybody. Appreciate you guys. We'll see you on Friday. Until then, let's go Big Blue.